be with you, Chi Alpha. Thanks for coming out tonight. I know some of you probably have some midterms this week. That's real tough. Not me, because I'm an adult, so you should consider it. Uh, so I did get a haircut today. Thank you all for noticing. Um, yep, yep, got them all cut, as the dads say. And so Katie cut my hair this afternoon, and so I was really appreciative of that until I went to pick the kids up from school. Okay, and that uh, for multiple reasons, two reasons. One, I walked out of the house and it was kind of windy um, and freezing cold. And I was like, oh my gosh, my ears hurt so much. Uh, and then I got to school and I picked my daughter up. We'll call her Esther because um, that's her name. And Esther looked me <laughs> straight dead in the eye and said, Dad, you got a haircut and I don't like it. <laughs> She said, I like the other way better. And I'm like, well, give it a couple months and we'll be back there again. You know, it's a vicious cycle that we have. Um, and so, yeah. So, but it's okay. Next, I'm going to grow out the mustache like the boys. So, uh, yeah. Let's go. So anyways, we're here the week before spring break. Wow. Come on, you made it, right? Like, woo, it is already here. We're so excited. Some of you are getting on a plane. Some of you are driving. Some of you are going home. Some of you are staying here. But it's like, we have made it. And it also means we've been cruising along in our Kingdom Things series. Boom, I just I felt the graphic go up right there, man. It was, that, was, that was on point, like, let me tell you. And we've been studying the parables in the book of Matthew. Jesus has been telling these parables to onlookers. He's been telling these parables to his disciples. He's been telling these parables to people who have been walking by. And he's been taking everyday things... Stories they would have understood, examples they would have known, things they would have felt, things they would have seen, things they would have touched, and he has been using them to teach them what the kingdom is like. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom of heaven is like a sower who sows seed in the field. The kingdom of heaven is like uh, the unmerciful servant. The kingdom of heaven revolves around forgiveness. We have seen all these different things and we've been growing in our lives with Jesus. and We've been understanding what it means to live in God's kingdom. Because as Jesus was showing up on earth, as he was teaching the disciples and teaching the onlookers, he was trying to show them what it means to live in the now and not yet. That the kingdom is growing amongst us, but we're also longing for a day in which the kingdom comes in its totality. In which the kingdom will be fully present, and we earnestly work, and we pray, and we hope, and we desire to see these kingdom things be fulfilled in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And it's been so much fun to kind of hear these stories and to journey together as our community has grown deeper in what it means to be a kingdom person. And tonight... I'm excited because we're going to look at the kingdom thing of grace. Mm. Now look, here's the thing. Here's what I know. When I say the word grace, you're all like, mm, let me get that. You know what I mean? Like when you think about grace, you're like, I know grace has like brought me here and like amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And you can say, or maybe your middle name is grace. Like our firstborn. Yeah, that's right. She was firstborn. <laughs> Or maybe you're like, hey, I hear all these Christians talk about this word grace, but I don't exactly know what it means. 
when all these church people, those common people, they just throw out this word grace, but nobody ever defines it. Can somebody tell me what this means? As a matter of fact, I can. <laughs> and I'm excited as we travel in our passage tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew chapter 20. And the kingdom thing that we'll be talking about tonight is grace. God's unmerited favor. Getting what you don't deserve. Grace. Grace is what has saved us. Grace is what has brought us here now. Now, sometimes when I think about grace, there's a lot of different uh, pictures and images that come to my mind. One of them I already mentioned. Uh, it's my daughter. Uh, another one is like, man, sometimes I'm like, when I think about grace, I think about, I think about like people in unmerited favor. And I just think about, you guys know, you guys all have that one friend. Okay, I'm going to describe this friend to you. Okay, this is the friend that like, doesn't get there early but still gets a parking spot okay do you know what i mean like this is the friend that does uh doesn't study throughout the semester they just stay up the night before and they still get a better grade than you okay this is the friend that uh didn't like you guys are all like you're like i'm the friend it's me hi i'm the problem it's me uh right <laughs> that would have been a great time to just you know but that's okay i'm just making this up as i go along because uh, i'm here by grace anyway right uh sure yeah sure absolutely or maybe it's like this friend that's like they never really like worked hard for it but always just came so natural to them and just like this is just so frustrating it makes me mad We've actually had one of these situations happen in our Oman meetings the last few weeks. Okay, uh, he's in the back. Um, okay, uh, drum roll, please. Uh, sheesh. And so we, we, uh, as you know, in order to, uh, you know, fly across the country, you need a passport, right? In order to get a passport on time, there's a process by which you have to go through. Okay? And when you go through this process, you have to make sure that you click all the right boxes and, and you know, cross all the right T's and dot all the right I's and make sure you click expedited shipping. Okay? Because you know that you have to have it on time. Okay? And you're trying to get there. And our homegirl, Jacqueline, did everything right! Okay? She did it all! She paid the extra money. She checked the website. She was making sure that it was going to come. And then it was shipping, and then it was shipping, and then it was shipping, and then it never came. Oh, no. Give her some grace. Right? Homegirl needs some grace. But the question in my mind right now is also not only does she need some grace, she's going to get it Thursday morning, she's going to drive all the way up to D.C., have herself a little appointment, but here's the unfair part. We have someone else on my team that we'll call Ian. Okay? That's his name. Okay? He's in the back and he's single. Okay? <laughs> They did not pay the extra money. We did not realize it until two weeks ago. Okay? And then, like, we're sitting in a meeting, and Ian's like, oh, yeah, no. And, and so what does he do? He gets on the phone, and he calls his senator, 
All right, he calls the passport agency, and then his is already in his hand. Okay, like he, he knows people, right? God's unmerited favor. Right? And homegirl's over here still grinding. And how many of you... She's single. She's single. I did not say that, but it is in fact true. So, how many of you, not only is you have that friend that gets the parking spot, but then you also have that same spiritual friend? Where it's like God's grace is upon them in ways that just frustrate you. When it's like, man, I stayed up all night praying. I, like, tried so hard. I gave the money. I did my devotions. Why does God keep blessing them? Why do they keep getting the things that I feel like I deserve? Why was it easier for them to raise the money for the spring break trip when I was the one that put all the work into it? And it's like, man. Like, when we think about grace, it's, like, sometimes really easy to apply it to ourselves and hard to apply it to others. And in other times in our life, it's really easy to apply grace to others. We want to keep giving ourselves a really hard time. And that's why I'm so excited for our passage tonight. Let's read in God's Word in Matthew chapter 20. Before we start, you're like, what have we been doing? Huh. Well, who could say? Uh, before we get into the text tonight, let's, uh, let me talk about the key players we're going to have in our passage tonight. Uh, the NIV subheading says the parable of the workers in the vineyard. So here we're going to have a landowner that's going to represent God. We're going to have some workers that are going to show up early in the morning. We're going to have some workers that are going to show up later in the day. And we're going to have a foreman that is going to be at the end of our passage. These are kind of the, the different players that I want you to look for as we read our passage and see what happens. Verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. I've got a picture of a denarius to show. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't give you one. No. <laughs> he was like, oh, no. I'll just Google one right now. Okay. So this is common in the ancient Near East. What would happen is a landowner, when they had things that needed to happen, they would go out to the city square and there would be day laborers that would be gathered there around the center of the town square in the center of the village, in the center of the city they lived in, and they'd be waiting for someone to come and hire them. Here in our passage, the landowner is paying a denarius for a day's work. Each worker would have worked about 12 hours in a day in a common way, right? You guys are like, huh, they should see my midterms, right? Like, if only I could work just 12 hours a day. It was a joke, I'm sorry. It di didn't hit, that's okay, when, right? It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. All the people that study 12 hours for midterms didn't come tonight, so I understand that's why it went right over their head. So anyways, a denarius would have been a common amount that a landowner would have paid. 
Okay, he would have been gathering them as they came in, and here what we see is going to be a vineyard that he probably has, the text doesn't exactly tell us, but he probably has a bumper crop coming in, and it's like, hey, we need to get this thing out now. And so he goes out into the market square, and he grabs day laborers. Now, the important thing, another important thing to note is that day laborers would have been like the lowest class of social people. Okay, they would have been uh, more uh, disposable, uh, more replaceable, and seen as even less than, than a common uh, household slave in the ancient Near East. Um, because it's like they are kind of like the, the edges of society. They don't have any um, certainty in their lives. They don't have any stability in their lives. And they're just like really hoping and wishing that someone is going to hire them that day. That's the state that they're in this morning as the landowner comes and says, come work at my place. I'll pay you a denarius at the end of the day. And so they agree and they go out with the landowner. Okay. Verse 3 continues, about 9 in the morning, he went out, he being the landowner, and saw others standing in the marketplace. Wait, does that say 9 in the morning? Okay, so that means like he went out before 9 in the morning to get the other laborers. Like what in the world? Like the text doesn't tell us, but what we can assume is that the first laborers he's going to grab are going to be, they were at 6 a.m. They had been waiting at the market square. They had gotten up early, they had gotten ready, they had gone in order to hope for a landowner to come by and hire them for the day. Now he comes back at nine o'clock and he's looking for more workers. He says he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. I'm not sure what he expected them to be doing. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, hey, did you guys bring a pack of cards? Uh, do you have any banana grants? <laughs> What's so funny about banana crabs? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Scrabble, but you can—it's travel. There's no board. Yeah, you just like—it comes in a banana. Yeah, that's why they call it banana crabs. Yeah, it's a great game. Ten out of ten would recommend. He says, "You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right." So they. Went. Now the text doesn't tell us here, it doesn't tell us if these people showed up at 9, it doesn't tell us if they showed up at 6. They may have shown up at 6 hoping to be picked and the landowner said that they weren't needed at that time. He would have passed over them. He would have chosen ones that would have been a little bit more ready at the time or someone who would have been um, more suitable for the work in which he was, he was hiring for that day. Then he comes back at 9, he finds more people in the marketplace, he finds more people standing around, he says, hey, come work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. Now everyone that was there would have known that a denarius is what is right for a day. So they would have expected it to probably have been prorated and, and they would have been like maybe doing some math in their head and trying to understand fractions, right? But they would have been like, okay, like he's gonna pay me, it's gonna be fine, this is better than nothing, let's all go. And so at nine in the morning, the landowner then hires more workers and off they go. Let's continue. It says, he went out again at about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. 
So what we see here is that now the landowner, they've been working all day, the one's at 6, the one's at 9, the landowner goes out at 12, he goes out at 3, and then he goes out at 5. Now I told you the first group started at 6, and I told you it was a 12-hour day, right? So the last group gets hired at 5, they're only going to do an hour's worth of work. And, I mean, they're probably paid by the hour, right? So they're counting that drive over there, do you know what I mean? Anybody that works hourly, like, I'm stopping completely at every single stop sign. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's the only time in your lives you stop at stop signs. You're like, oh, you, you know, paid by the hour. So, okay. And so he's grabbing these people, and they're going out. And what I, I can only imagine what's going on in all the different day laborers' minds. The group that, that showed up at six, as they see reinforcements comes, I wonder were they excited about the reinforcements? Like, hey, you know what? Like, maybe we're gonna be able to get this done, or you know, more hands is gonna make this easier. But then it's also like they're also doing math in their heads. They're like, but no, if we don't get it done, maybe he'll hire me for tomorrow. Like, I could work here all week. Why does he keep going out and grabbing more people? And the camaraderie is nice, but but man, it would be nice if I could just stay here. And then I wonder about the ones that had been sitting there all day waiting. I wonder if they even ate lunch. I wonder if they were doing a cost-benefit analysis, like, well, we didn't get hired today. I don't know if we can afford lunch out in the marketplace. I wonder what was going on. Like, what am I going to do with my family? How am I going to tell my kids that I didn't find work today? And maybe this is the same situation they had found themselves in multiple times where they were always picked last amongst the day laborers. And why isn't there enough work? And what's going on? And why? And the text doesn't tell us how much the landowner has told them he's going to pay them, but they have to be like, something is better than nothing. At least I'll come home with something today. So let's see what happens in our text. Verse 8, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. And this would have been uh, somewhat common, but a little bit uncommon, okay? At the end of the day, the day laborers were always paid. Always paid in cash, right? There's no checks in this time, right? And you guys, like, straight cash homie, right? This is Randy Moss. This is what he's been hoping for his whole life, okay? And it's like they get paid at the end of the day, and the foreman gathers them and gets them in a line, and the landowner says, make sure you start with the ones that got here last. If you were here last week, you remember at the end of Julia's passage, we learned that the last will be first and the first will be last. This is going to appear right here in our passage right now, and it's going to appear again at the end of our passage. Matthew is making sure that we understand that the kingdom of God is one in which things get flipped upside down in ways that we did not first anticipate. And so the foreman gathers the workers and says, we're going to pay the ones who got here last first. Now, if I'm the one that got there at 6 in the morning, I'm like, I am ready to get home. Like, my fingers hurt. I've been cut from the branches. Like, this has been a grind all day. Let me get my denarius and be on my way. And so they're at the back of the line. They're watching the people that came last be paid first and begin to be able to go home to their families. And it's like, man, what is going on? But then let's see what happens. Verse 9. The workers who were hired about 5 in the afternoon came... And they each received a denarius. Wait a minute, what? No, that, that was who that was offered to the ones that showed up at six, not the ones that showed up at five. 
The workers who were, I'm sorry, I just needed one second. Uh, the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. Huh, interesting. That is a, that's what they pay for a full day's wage, not for an hour out of 12. The landowner has now paid these ones who showed up for the last little bit. And can you imagine what it would have felt like if you were at the end of the line? The next verse is going to say, so the ones that got there first were expecting to receive more. And if it were me, I'd have been in the back of the line doing math in my head. Like, he was here for an hour. I was here for 12. Maybe we misheard him this morning. Maybe he didn't say it was a denarius for the day. Maybe he said it was a denarius for an hour. And man, we got to get this guy's number. We got to make sure we stay on this guy's good side. This is, oh, is going to be amazing. Wait till we get home. They're not going to believe it. This is, this is the most incredible thing that's ever happened to me. I can't wait. So, when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last only worked one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. It's not fair. Why did they get what we didn't get? Why did they get the things that we wanted? Why did they get the things that we hoped for? Why were they given the same amount that we got? We worked more. We worked harder. We were in the heat of the day. They came in the cool of the evening. Why is this fair? I love the landowner's response. It's one that has helped me many times in my life. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or, and here's the money quote, are you envious because I am generous? So, the last will be first, and the first will be last. When they thought what was going to happen didn't happen, the ones that had arrived at the heat of the day, they, wore, they bore the brunt of the work. They did the majority of the things. They get frustrated. Why is this so, landowner? Why did this happen to me? Why didn't I get more? I was expecting more. I thought there would be more. I worked harder. I worked longer. And the landowner looks at him and says, I gave you exactly what you asked for. I gave you everything that we agreed upon. I gave you everything that I promised you, and why would you be upset if I also gave it to them? I didn't take out of your pay to give to them. I didn't take what was yours and give to them. I just gave generously to them also. Is that not my right? Am I not allowed to be generous? Am I not allowed? You have, give, you have been given everything that you could have wanted. This is what you were excited about at the beginning of the day, and this is what you can continue to be excited about and I am allowed to be generous. And when we talk about grace, I just want to kind of zoom in on grace a little bit as we've kind of closed out on our passage and just talk just kind of high level and then zoom in on what grace means as we talk about the generosity of God. That this is who God is. This is who God desires to be. That God is generous. 
that he is giving, that as he graciously gives to each one of us, that he does it out of his own free will. That he is the God who loved us first, that he is the God that continues to love us, he is the God that will love us up the days and down the years, he is the God that pursues us, and he is the God that loves each one of us individually with a love that is so big, that is so wide, that is more than we could ever ask, it's more than we could ever imagine, and he desires to give this to everyone. God doesn't care where you've come from. God doesn't care where you're going. God doesn't care uh, what you did this weekend. God doesn't care what you did last night. God doesn't care what your future dreams are. God only cares that you would receive the gift that he is giving you. God doesn't care what you got on your SATs. God doesn't care what you got on your grade point average. God doesn't care how much money you give into missions. God only wants you. And he loves you so deeply. He loves you so widely. He wants to give you the full wage. And it's not based on what you've brought into the relationship. It's not based on what you can do. It's not based on what you have earned. It's not based on how hard you've worked or how long you've worked or your pedigree or your family or your bank account or where you're from. None of those things matter. Because God is the one who is generous and God is the one who has given it all. And what we know about the God of the Bible is that he sent his own son so that we may be in relationship with him. That he paid the full price so that everyone may be paid the equal rate wage. That he gave generously of his own self so that we may all receive generously today. And that this is the scandalous gospel of grace. This is the upside down kingdom. That you don't have to make yourself right to meet him. That you don't have to wear the right clothes. That you don't have to do the right things. That you don't have to say the right prayer. You just have to show up to work. You just have to get there when you can, and that you will be paid the full wage. So Kyle, I think tonight that we just need a grace awakening. We just need to understand grace more in our lives. We need to understand grace more in our lives of our friends, of our family, of our own lives, and we need to receive the grace of the Lord Jesus tonight. That this is who God is, this is what He does, this is His unmerited favor for each and every one of us, for each and every one of you individually, for your core groups, for your halls, for your suites, for your houses, for your families, that this is God's unmerited favor for you. A.W. Tozer opens The Pursuit of God, I mean, a top five book all time in my mind. A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God, right? He opens that chapter, uh, and he, he talks about the, the doctrine of prevenient grace. And what this means is that God always loves you first. That he is the one that has chased you up the days and down the years. That he is the one that has loved you first. And he has pursued each and every one of you in this room. He is continuing to pursue you. And that God has always loved us first. He is the first mover. As he created, as he, as he made us, as he created us in his image. That this is what God has done. And he continues to pursue us. And that as we respond to this grace, it's the grace that was always offered to us first and is continually offered to us. What we see in our, in our passage is the landowner continues to go out to the market, continues to go out and says, come, more, come in, more, six, nine, twelve, three, five. He continues to go out. He continues to make the offer. He continues to say, would you come, come, all, everyone. There's still more work. There's still more room. There's still things to be done. It does 
doesn't matter what time it is, just come on in. And he continues to pursue. This is the beauty of grace. It's for everyone. And that God gives it first. I think there's a couple other things we learn about grace in our passage. Uh, And this is, as we started with the beauty of grace, there's also a flip side to grace. This is what happens uh, when we have grace in our lives and we think that this makes us entitled to other things. When we get grace in our lives and we think that this means that we can now do whatever we want. We can go wherever we want. We can do anything because you know what? I've got grace. It doesn't matter. Bonhoeffer calls this cheap grace. It's when we receive grace and we treat it cheaply. Something to which Christ died for is us, right? And then we're like, hey, you know what? Thanks for that. I'm going to take the denarius. I'm going to do whatever I want now. As we kind of come into God's kingdom, as we understand how grace transforms us, as we come into the kingdom, we're transformed by the kingdom. We're transformed by the king. And then as we treat grace rightly instead of treating grace cheaply, it helps to transform us on the inner and we may be able to continue to do the right work in the kingdom. Another way in which we kind of skew grace is what we see what happens uh, to the people that showed up at 6 o'clock in the morning. And this is when we think that we have grace, when we become people of the kingdom, it's like, okay, now that we have gotten in here by grace, now my work is going to take me the rest of the way. And now all of a sudden God owes us things because of things that we have done. Right? We don't do this on purpose. It's not always like, we're not always doing math in our heads, but we sometimes find ourselves being like, like, God, I deserved a better grade on that test because I read my Bible before I went into it. Okay? I, I wasn't sure that I had time to read my Bible. Okay? But I thought that I was kind of iffy on what I was going to get on the test. And so I sat down and I read an entire psalm. And so you owed me a B plus. Okay? Do you know what I mean? I wasn't asking for an A, right? Okay? I knew I didn't really study. Okay? But I read my Bible that morning. Like, God, I haven't missed core group at all this semester. That should mean the president's list. Okay? Do you know what I mean? I'm just saying. Do you know how much I have worked? Okay? I've been showing up to these things. Okay? Martin Lloyd-Jones calls this. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. I stumbled through that one, but he's dead, so it's okay. Um, I mean, he is, yeah. Uh, He says this is when we treat God like a cosmic slot machine. Okay, God, uh, I got a couple of devotions in this week. I sent some money in the offering. I even put a nice little emoji on the Venmo. Okay. Okay, so now here comes straight A's. I never got straight A's either. So. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, just being real with y'all for a minute. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a real grind. Anyways, and so we treat God like a, like a cosmic slot machine. Okay, God, now you owe me these things. I worked in the heat of the day. I gave up my spring break for you. (laughs) 
right? I gave you all these things. Why did that happen to my sister? Why is this happening to me? Why haven't I gotten the job that I asked for? Why do I, uh, why am I struggling to pay uh, my tuition this semester? Why did my car break down? Why don't I even have a car? <laughs> Sheesh! <laughs> why is this happening? And we find ourselves being like, Jesus, like, I'm upholding my end of the bargain, why aren't you upholding yours? And he's like, I am. I gave you everything you asked for. It's me. I gave you myself. I invited you into the kingdom. That this life is better than you could ever ask or imagine. The things that you have seen, the things that you have lived, the things that you could be a part of are so much bigger and better than you could ever imagine. And that you're just longing for things that are temporary. Or you're just hoping for these things. And it's like, that's just not how it works. It's not a free gift if you feel like you bought it yourself. If it's like, well, you know what? You only get the job with the corner office if you've completed 7,500 devotions. You have to have, you have to like, like, wait a minute, how many denarii, how many denarii? That's how you, the plural of denarius is denarii. Um, it's not true, it's not true. Uh, like, how, how many years is that? It's like, okay, you don't have to do that many um, if you can uh, recite uh, the third chapter of John. Or, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to slide to this side for a minute. <laughs> or uh, you don't have to do those things if you uh, share your faith actively with your neighbor in class uh, two out of three days. Right? And it's like, I mean, these, these things, these are so outlandish. Like these, these examples are so silly, but I found myself doing them so many times in my own head. Where it's like, Man, God, like, I am going to do this, and I, I am hoping for this. And so uh, in order to make sure that that has a better chance at happening, I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to tilt my head to the side, and I'm going to open my mouth just right and hope that that will trigger the blessings of the Lord in my life. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've been there too many times. And God's like, no, that's not how it works. It's not like grace got you here and then your works will take you home. Like grace will take you home. I've got this. Let's go to work. I've always found this to be a very fascinating passage because I've often found it fascinating the people that show up at 5 o'clock get paid the same as the people at the beginning, right? It's the same reason the people in the passage are frustrated. Um, and it's been an interesting thought in my mind because it's like, well, my first thought jumps to deathbed conversions. Okay, some of you have, have friends and family that have lived a um, prodigal life, if you will, to steal from the text, a uh, different text, right? Like their whole life, they've done whatever they wanted, they haven't submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, they haven't even tried to go to work, right? And, they show, and at the end of their life, the preacher comes in and they accept Jesus. And it's like, I don't know, bro. Like, like you missed your chance. Like, you didn't, like, I've been working all day. And I think the text says they get in. That this is the grace of God. And are we envious because he is generous? 
And why would be, we be envious? Because he is generous. Like We should be thankful that he is generous because that's the only reason that we get paid in the first place. Could have left us sitting in the marketplace the whole time, twiddling our thumbs and hoping for someone to come. But then I have family members, I have friends that when they read a passage like this or they hear people say about deathbed conversions, they're like, you know what? That's what I would like to sign up for. I'm just going to live however I want right now, and at the end of my life, I'm just going to say sorry to Jesus, and then I'm going to just uh, get into heaven. It's going to be great. A couple, of, a couple of problems I have with this. Okay, one like the um, what is it? The shoosh, life is but a vapor. You never really know when it's going to happen, right? You don't know if you're going to like get to spend a couple months at the end of your life in the hospital. Okay, you don't know if the preacher's going to come, right? There's a, there's a, like, it could all happen in an instant. But the real problem that I have with it is I think it's actually a lot of fun to go to work. And the longer that I have lived under the grace of God, the more I realize I don't want to live without the grace of God. Like, the longer that I've been in God's kingdom with God's people, the more I realize that this is all I really want to do. Why would I ever want to do anything else? This is more fun. This is more dynamic. This is giving me more purpose. This is giving me more passion. This is better than anything I could have asked or imagined. This is better than the other way of life. That I'm actually living, and you're really missing it. And that that can be one of the most frustrating things about people that are like, I'll just wait. No, don't wait. Come in now. Come and see. Come and believe. Come and feel this grace. It'll be like something you have never imagined. True love, true forgiveness, wholeness, healing internally. Like this is what the Lord Jesus offers his people. You don't have to earn it. You don't deserve it. He just picks you up from the town square and puts you to work. Praise God. Another point. How many points are there? This might be the last one. Okay. I didn't count them tonight, so it's up to you keeping notes. Uh, the people picked at the end of the day, I have to imagine that what it would have been like for them to sit there all day, every day, wondering, am I going to get picked? They probably weren't the strongest. They probably weren't the best looking. They probably were ones that had been looked over for the majority of their lives. And when I look at a passage like this, and when I think about the grace of God, what I realize is that the grace of God is for people that really don't look like us. But it's often very easy to offer the grace of God to people that are in our social circles, people who are very much like us. But that the grace of God is so transformative, it's so much bigger than anything we could ever ask or imagine, that the grace of God is actually for everyone. And when I say everyone, I literally mean everyone. That God would desire that all would come into his kingdom. That God would desire that everyone would be able to see this grace, to feel this grace, to know this grace, and that this is what this could be offered. So as you think about people in your lives, as you think about people that are in the world around you, what I believe is that the grace of God is for people who are lifetime prisoners. Lifetime prisoners like behind bars and lifetime prisoners to other things. Yeah. Yeah. Like lifetime prisoners to drug abuse, to addiction. The, the grace of God is for people that don't look like us, people who live on the other side of the world, people who uh, maybe your parents or maybe your friends would call terrorists. 
that the grace of God is for people who don't share the same views on sexuality that you share. That the grace of God is for every single one of these people, every single one of the people that you will come into contact with. This is what God's grace is. It is bigger. It is more expansive. It is better. It is so much greater. And that we, as people who have been transformed by God's grace, get the privilege, get the honor to go to work, to share that grace to tell people of what the Lord has done and say, this is more fun than I ever imagined. And I got paid a whole denarius. And it was worth every penny. So Kyle, what I'd say to you tonight is come, enter into his grace, and take his grace to other people, and it will be the best job you ever had. So I'm going to invite you all to stand as the worship team comes up. We're going to close in song. Some of you are going places over spring break where you really won't get to sing very much. So I would encourage you to sing right now. Some of you are going to places uh, that are very hard places to live holy. So I would encourage you to sing right now. And some of you in this room... You are in the middle of a grace awakening. The Lord Jesus has been speaking to you. He's been knocking on your heart. He's been asking you to come to work. And I would invite you to sing right now. And on your way out, I invite you to tell the person you came with, I'm in the middle of a grace awakening.